What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. We got a great show for you this week. Tyler is actually out of town. He went back home to Washington for a few days, so he will be back next week. But we didn't want to miss anything this week because the NBA Conference Finals are here. The NBA Draft Lottery was earlier tonight, and there have also been some coaching hires in the association as well. So we have a lot to talk about and a lot to get to. But to help me go over all of this, I can't do it alone. It's our good friend, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, welcome back to the TSK Show, and thanks for filling in for Tyler this week. We appreciate you being here, man. Oh, of course, man. Thank you for the invite. Um, Hopefully, I can fill his shoes, but I can't make any promises that I don't screw anything up, but uh, we'll see how we do. Uh, I think you'll be all right. Uh, A couple, uh, what, 45 minutes, an hour? Yeah, no, we we should be all right. All right. Uh, It's actually, we're actually getting a late start. It's already 9 o'clock here on uh, on the West Coast here in L.A., and... uh, Jacob had some work earlier. To I was get just done. at Don, uh, Dodger Stadium. How was that? It was all right. It was uh, them and the Padres. Okay. It wasn't a lot of people, so uh, they said they were expecting like twenty nine thousand, which is kind of a low crowd. That's for very them. low crowd very for low Dodger crowd. Stadium. Yeah. Oh. But um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was so far it was all right. But um, the best part of that was Machado returning. Oh. And they gave him a warm welcome when he stepped up to the plate. I bet they did. And in the lineup intro. I bet. Uh, so all right. We got a lot to cover in the NBA. A lot has been going on, for sure. Yeah. So why don't we recap for the folks at home the conference semifinals, and then we'll preview the conference finals. Real quick, obviously, it was the Bucks and Celtics, Raptors and Sixers up against each other in the Eastern Conference fi- uh, semifinals. Bucks beat the Celtics 4-1. to one. Raptors beat the Sixers 4-3. to three. And then in the West, it was Warriors versus Rockets and Nuggets versus Blazers. Both of those are... One series went six games. One series went seven games. The Warriors beat the Rockets in six. Blazers beat the Nuggets in seven. So we have the matchups in the conference finals as the one and the two seed in the East, the Bucks versus the Raptors, and they play game one tomorrow on Wednesday. And in the West, we have the Warriors versus the Trailblazers, who played game one tonight. And the War- <coughs> the Warriors won that game. And we will get to that in a little bit, though. We want to start in the Eastern Conference uh, because we want to talk about Bucks and Celtics game five first. It was competitive in the first half, Jacob, but once the Bucks took control in the second half and really pushed the lead to about 15 points, it, it really seemed like Boston gave up. No, they did. And it's funny that it was ever since Paul Pierce said that this series was a wrap after game one. Yeah. I think he spoke, obviously, too soon, but... I remember when I was on the show last, we talked about predictions as to who was going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. and I said the Bucks. I think you and Tyler said the Celtics, which I thought I was going to be eating yeah. my words yeah. after game one. I was like, I think this series might be over. Like, Boston really dominated the ball on both ends. They shot well. They played defense well. They contained Giannis. But after game one, though, I think it was just kind of a fluke, and you just really saw, like, Milwaukee full strength. Yeah, no, shot I was— well. I was definitely I was definitely surprised that Boston couldn't get it together after no. stealing game 1 and really moving home court advantage in their favor but it was just total domination from the oh, from the far. Bucks yeah for four straight games after losing game 1 you really just saw the length of the Bucks in games 2 3 4 and 5 you just really saw how long they were how they could switch things yeah. the shooting came in and 
I mean, it, it's never a good thing when your best player and your leader shoots 8 of 22 in game no, 3, 7 of not. 22 in game 4, and 6 of 21 with your season on the line. He's That's the reason why you brought him there. Yeah, Kyrie just was nowhere to be found, really, oh, absolutely in the not. last three games of the series. And really in game 5, once... Once the game was out of hand, he was really the one leading the negative body language. And, I mean, he's gone after this season. It's, oh, by far. It's for yeah, sure. by far. That, that, that whole team, sad to say, was – I don't want to say they were as dysfunctional as some of the other organizations, but for a playoff team with high hopes, they were very dysfunctional. You had a lot of turmoil in the locker room. It's not, it's not that the organ like, – you, well, within, within the locker room, though. That's right, kind of exactly. what I'm getting at. Though. Yeah, exactly. The differences between – Exactly. Some of those franchises that are looked at as dysfunctional, it's more the front office that's dysfunctional mm-hmm. and just the players aren't in the right situation. Yeah, no, this this, this one is I mean just the this is room. on the players, I exactly. think. There's a there was a lot of infighting. A lot of players had to sacrifice minutes that they weren't used to sacrificing last season when they made an Eastern Conference Finals run. Uh, because, Which they made it with less. Yeah, exactly. They made it with less because they had Kyrie and Gordon Hayward missing. But now that they were back and healthy this year, players like Terry Rozier, uh, mainly because he was the one on first take this morning, really talking. Oh, you about, heard what he said. Oh, he yeah. Wants he wants to leave. He wants to leave if they if they take if they take the the same team back. Yeah. But I mean, players weren't able to adjust to the sacrifices they had to make, and it just didn't end up working out. Yeah, there's just something about Boston where I just like their team better last year. They had a lot of young guys, but they just gelled, like, better. Well, clearly Kyrie's the problem. He is. Because if he comes back and you guys don't win X amount of games when you guys were projected to be, you know, one or two in the East, and you don't. They were supposed they were supposed to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. They were. And after you dominate, which they, they did sweep a Pacers team, but that's without Oladipo, though. Exactly. Then you get into to Milwaukee, you do still game one, but then you completely get trashed in the previous games or the, the games to follow right after that. So, right. I mean, I don't know what happened in their season. Again, it's obviously the players to blame here. So I don't know who's gone. I, Rozier said he's gone. Does Kyrie Irving leave? Well, Rozier might not have to leave if Kyrie leaves first. It's all just going to – the thing with this summer is it. it's very similar to when LeBron has been a free agent is – Wherever LeBron goes, that's usually the first domino to fall. Yeah. This summer, it's probably going to be KD as the first domino that needs to fall. Then so, we'll see what and then work, next is Kyrie. Kyrie goes. So yeah. it's all it's all just going to be how the dominoes and how how the chips fall on the table uh, come July first. Well, they have a lot of uh, see, and I give I give the GM a lot of credit. Which Danny Ainge, he's put together, he's drafted well. This team gave the guy a heart attack. I, I know, well, <laughs> but still, I do give him a lot of credit though. Since since that you know that championship run from '08 to you know to 2010 when they yeah. returned, they did have a year where they, I think they missed the playoffs, and since then he, they've been pretty consistent. And so he's drafted well, but this team just hasn't been put together in the past year and a half. They've had a much prettier rebuild than say oh they have the than the rivals than the sixers and the lakers okay yeah then the rivals yeah they've had a much prettier rebuild than the sixers and the lakers that's for sure so and yeah you got to get you got to give the credit there to danny ainge in the front office no he he's drafted well he's put together the team well it's just that this year they didn't mesh together the chemistry was not there like you're saying there was minutes shared jalen brown was used to playing 30 40 minutes a game and now that hayward's back he got cut down. Same thing right. with uh, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier was their starting point guard last year. Terry Rozier believes he's a starting 
caliber player in the NBA, which which is exactly why he feels like yeah. if they bring this same team back, he's, he's not going to want to make those sacrifices. He feels he can get a paycheck somewhere else and be the starting point guard for that team. And he made, honestly, a good case for himself last year in the playoffs. 100% he did. You know, he did go up against a good, like, Cavs team. but And there was a couple games where I think they shut him down. You know, they kept him to a – but regarded, that's a championship at Cavs the, team. At the end of the day, Terry Rozier really made himself exactly, a household yeah. name last year in the playoffs when he had the opportunity to see the floor. Yeah, his stock did go up. So I think he is a starter in, in some teams. Obviously not on some of, the, like, the contenders, but he on those teams he'd be a backup. He's a starting caliber player exactly, is yeah. what he believes he is. Mid-level market? I starting. I think any competitive person would think they were the best player out, the best players they could possibly be. Yeah, you know, which it sucks for Boston. Which, if if uh, Irving leaves and let's just say Rozier doesn't want to stay either, where do they go from there? They're in that gray area between they're not good and they're not like tanking. So yeah. they're just in that middle area, which you, is the worst place to be in the NBA. Exactly. You either want to tank or you want to be contending for for championships. Hundred percent. Now the other series. Uh, in the Eastern Conference was the Raptors and the Sixers, and this came down to a Game 7. This was one of the most entertaining playoff series. Of- I honestly missed this this series, a Game 7, for another reason. I was watching my own Game 7 in Game of Thrones. Okay. But that was episode, <laughs> that was episode 6. I, 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 episode, yeah, five. Uh, episode 5. Episode yeah, 5, excuse me. But that was a, a one-sided Game 7, for those of you who have not seen that episode. Yeah, well, we'll... <laughs> Yeah, that's a different Game Seven, and I, I just, can't believe you chose Game of Thrones. Oh, I did. I did. I was. I had. I had the updates going on on my phone, but I did see everything that went on, and you know, the last thing that happened. But Game of Thrones was on the TV. Game of Thrones is important. I must say, I I missed Game of Thrones because yeah, I was driving home. You from, were coming back. You I was in the driving nowhere. Yeah, I was driving home from Tucson, Tucson, Arizona, because my sister graduated college and all of that. But I was watching Game Seven on my phone. But oh, hold on. Let me let me backtrack real quick. Game five and game five and six in this series were complete opposites of each other. Toronto blew Philly out in game five, and it looked like they were gonna they were in the complete driver's seat. Obviously, going into game six, coming into the game up three two, but Philly was able to return the favor and ensure a game seven on on their home court. They protected home court. Uh, they beat Toronto by eleven in game six. And now the real drama in Game Seven. It was the end of Game the the last seconds. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was a close game all game, and it was really going back and forth, and you you never really knew which team was in full control of the game. But coming down to the last seconds of the game, Kawhi Leonard hit one of the most incredible game winners I've ever seen. And like I was saying before, I was watching the game on my phone in the car on the drive back from tucson arizona and we literally got to the gas station and there was 11 seconds left in the game and i'm sitting in the passenger seat you're telling them don't take off yet (laughs) yeah my sister's in the driver's seat i was like wait i have service it's like perfect like pristine hd conditions on my phone the pixels haven't been distorted yet yeah no it's great okay and there's 11 seconds left and the the play starts to develop and Kyrie, uh, Kyrie, Kawhi starts to turn the corner uh, on the wing to get to that corner. And I was like, there was like maybe like two and a half seconds off. I was like, he's not going to get the shot off. He better hurry. Yeah, I was like, he's got to get the shot off. And he finally got the shot off and he rainbowed that thing. Uh, well, to, you got to over Embiid. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get it over Embiid. And 
when that shot took those four bounces, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, and keep, then, keep going. And yeah, keep he, going. He hits the shot, and I literally jumped out of the car. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of, like, I'm literally probably about 20 miles from the Arizona-California border. I'm yeah. still in Arizona. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. I literally jumped out of the car and started running, screaming through the gas station, just Ah, like going crazy. Oh, people probably thought you were crazy. I that's, definitely, that's, definitely. That's why they hate people from California. <laughs> I definitely got a, a <laughs> yeah. few weird looks. That's why we as Californians can't go anywhere <laughs> because of this kind of stuff. But, I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. It was the first game-winning buzzer beater in Game 7 history, uh, in, the, in NBA history. The second winner-take-all game winner in playoff series, period. The first one was MJ's the shot uh, against over, the, over Craig Elo, right? Yeah, against the Cavs in Game Five of the first round of the 1989 playoffs. Uh, it was, I mean, Kawhi just took over that game, and he, did. he has put Toronto on his back this entire postseason. Kyle Lowry has been nowhere to be found except for a, one a, game, one game, and then the really the one clutch defensive steal that he got. Uh, at the end of game seven, which obviously you didn't see, but yeah, he's yeah. he had he he got a steal in transition, or it wasn't in transition, but it was at like half court and it started a fast break. They got a bucket and it was at a clutch moment in the game. Well, glad he can come up with one steal, but I mean, he's just really been nowhere to be found, and it's exactly why I think Kawhi's gonna leave Toronto because I don't see them winning the championship, but I mean, I think they can get to the to the finals at least, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about uh, the Bucks and the, the Raptors since they're playing each other now in the Eastern Conference Finals. But, I mean, it's just – it's been unreal to, to watch how great Kawhi has been and how un, or how irrelevant Kyle Lowry has been when he's supposed to be the number two guy on this team. And it's sad, too, because he is supposed to be the number two option – but you have guys like Siakam stepping up and actually scoring the ball. Yeah. Which he's matured. He was, uh, a, what is a G League alum. Yeah. Like, it, he's been a hell of a player he for He was them. averaging like seven points a game last year. And now look at him. In the playoffs, and he's really stepped up, which, like, you even have Gasol helping you. Like, it's sad that Lowry, like Lowry has nowhere to be found in this series. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me. It's the same thing when DeRozan was on the team. There'd be games where DeRozan would disappear, and then Lowry would step up because he has to. Otherwise, they're going to get blown out. Right. But in this series, gone again. Yeah. Now, a fun fact from uh, TNT sideline reporter uh, Ross Gold Awunde. It's about the Raptors. So she found out that Sergi Baca speaks French, Spanish, and English to his teammates. Him and Pascal Siakam speak French to each other, and Serge speaks Spanish. To he plays for the, for the Spain team. He's, I think he's like a resident there. He has like some surge. Uh, surge, he does. Oh yeah, that's right. A, a couple, a couple yeah. of years ago in the Olympics, he plays for Spain. Yeah, 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 you're right. So he he speaks Spanish to Mark Gasol, and the rest of the team he speaks to in English. Now, when Mark and Serge were on the court together against the Sixers this playoff series, when they would try and yell for for each other's help on defense and to double team Joel Embiid. They would speak Spanish to each other because Joel Embiid speaks French. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it was just a crazy little tidbit. That a it's hell like, of a way to confuse somebody. Well, yeah, for sure. And it, it reminded me of 
how Kobe and Gasol. Yeah, Kobe and Gasol would speak Spanish to each other. Uh, Kobe would speak, I believe it was Slovenian or Croatian to uh, Sasha Vujicic. Mm-hmm. He Kobe speaks like five different languages, and he would use it to his advantage on the basketball court. Yeah. So I think I thought that was really cool. It's the small details that help you out. Yeah, definitely. And when you got two defensive player of the year type players in Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol using that to their advantage, it, oh, it that's, definitely oh, helps. Oh, that's lethal. Yeah. So all right. The Eastern Conference Finals, we got Bucks versus Raptors. And I think if you were to ask anyone in the Raptors locker room if they expected to be in the Eastern Conference Finals when they started this season, I think they would all say yes. They just made the blockbuster trade for Kawhi. All the reports were he was healthy, and clearly he was. Uh, They still had most of their core intact, and they had players like Pascal Siakam who took a huge leap in their progression this season. I think it's safe to say they're – they're exactly where they thought they would be, but it's probably not against who they thought it would be against. They thought they would be playing Boston. Yeah, probably, or Philly. I yeah. don't, no one really expected Milwaukee to take the steps that they took. But, I mean, the Bucks have been on a roll all season. Giannis had a career high in points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game, field goal percentage. He's doing everything for the Bucks. Yeah, he's the front runner for yeah. MVP all year. The team had the NBA's best record. And now he has the chance to go to his first NBA Finals. It's this series is just going to be so much fun to watch. No, it is. I think I think it's going to be fun too because you have somebody who wants to get there for the first time, and then you have Leonard who has done it already. He's right. been there with right. the Spurs, but he wants to do it on his own now. Because back when he did get there and he did win Finals MVP, he was still backed by the title of the Big Three from the Spurs. So technically, it just wasn't him. Yeah. It was that big three, the whole system of pop. Right. But I think he he has just as much, like, urge to get back to the finals and say, hey, I did it by myself. Because well, he really has. Yeah, and and you hear, you hear it all the time when uh, professional athletes, no matter what the sport is, when they win a championship, they, they say it's almost like an addiction. It's like once you get to the top and you get to the top of the mountain. You want to keep going. Yeah, you want to you feel that feeling again. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that this series is, is so tough to choose who I think is going to win because both teams are so good, they're the two best teams in the Eastern Conference all season. But like you've been, like you were just mentioning about Kawhi, I gotta go with the proven winner, and the proven winner's on the Raptors. He's been there before. Kawhi, he hasn't gotten much help from Lowry, like we were talking about. Giannis has been absolutely magnificent, but I think Kawhi can carry a team to the NBA Finals. I think he can too. The, see, the only issue I have with the Bucks is that Giannis does everything for them. Now, until you have Bledsoe showing up and until you have – well, they do have Brogdon back, but that's not like a big addition. He is great on defense. But until you have your shooters really connecting, that's an issue because you have Giannis doing everything for you. Now, on the Raptors side, they do have the shooting, and Siakam has showed up in more games than I've seen Bledsoe show up in games. Right. So I think that's the only thing I have in the favor of the Raptors. Now, the the Raptors have the length to guard Giannis, which they have – Siakam, they have Ibaka to clog up the middle, they and have, they have Gasol. Right. I think Ibaka and Gasol, two, like I was saying, all-defensive, defensive player of the year type players, throwing two players like that at Giannis all game, that's going to tire him out. And he – I think it, I think it's going to work. Yeah, see, I can see it working, but he – I think the way the Bucks adjusted, though, in game one of the semis against Boston, which they slowed him down too. Yeah. But he made an adjustment coming back into game two. 
So I can see him making some adjustments, and now this is where his shooters really have to help him. But now to compare, just since you since you brought it up, the adjustments that Boston or the adjustments Milwaukee made to Boston's defense, Boston was throwing Al Horford, Aaron Baines, Marcus Smart at Giannis. Well, two of those guys are too small and too slow. Exactly my point. There's only one person, though, who can keep up with him laterally on defense, and that's probably Siakam. Yeah, because he's quicker than Ibaka and Gasol. Yeah, he is quicker. Now, they do have the length to clog up the middles, but what if they get into early foul trouble? That's the other issue, too. Yeah. I also think that at the end of the day, the Bucks are more likely to slip up on the execution end than the Raptors are. No, no, by far. They don't their their X's and O's is not as great as you think. They're they're a great team, but their bread and butter is their defense. They can shoot. They have some shooters on there. Mm-hmm. But their bread and butter is their defense. They're the best defensive team in the league. Yeah. And you have Giannis doing everything for you. Yeah. So what's your prediction for this series? See, I want see, personally I think the Bucks, I want them to go to the finals, but there's I, there's something I don't buy in all the way with them playing the Raptors. I just I don't know what it is. So personally, I think Raptors are going to win this in five or six. I got the Raptors in six. So it, I mean, this is going to be a really fun series to watch. I mean, if it can go seven games, that'd be even better for me to watch. Well, but, yeah, and then I mean, if it goes seven games, it's just that much easier for the Warriors. Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> But all right, beat the hell out of each other in the East and then get to the finals. That's that's what's usually happened yeah. past uh, the past two years at least. Well, whatever team wished them luck against the Warriors. <laughs> all right, moving on to the Western Conference. Before we get to the uh, the Warriors and Rockets series, we'll quickly wrap up Denver and Portland. I think that was the most entertaining series. It, well, not, probably not the most entertaining, but it was it was it was one of the most entertaining of the playoffs. Yeah, and it wasn't even supposed to happen. No, and there were so many heavyweight matchups in the conference semifinals. If it turned out differently, you probably could have almost forgotten this series ever happened and ever existed. But it was similar to the Philly Toronto series. Denver took care of Game Five, and then Portland took care uh, of Game Six at home and forced Game Seven. Game 7 was also close, like the Philly-Toronto Game 7, and it came down to the last few possessions, and it came down really to execution. And the Trailblazers were able to execute better down the stretch. They sealed the victory. They're advancing to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2000. Uh, In Game 7, Damian Lillard surprisingly had an off game. Uh, You would think that they forget about CJ. Right, and that's where that – that two-headed monster of Damon CJ is always so deadly. You never know which one is going to go off. Sometimes they both go off. Sometimes one goes off and the other doesn't. And CJ led the Blazers in game seven with 37 points and put on an absolute monster of a performance coming up with clutch bucket after clutch bucket, one coming with 12.4 seconds left from the mid-range. Uh, everybody's saying the mid-range is dead in the NBA, but uh, no, CJ, CJ's proven that, it, that it's not. It was, it was a fun series. And he also helped on the defensive end. You saw that chase down block. Hey. Yeah. CJ has the best chase down block of any Ohio native I ever seen. Oh, so you're just uh, dissing LeBron's on Iggy's? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, no, it was a hell of a series, though. Um, I do, I do want to tip my hat off, though, to Denver. That young core that they have, that's going to be a problem in the years to come. I think they just need to add pieces to their bench now. Yeah. You don't really have the consistent bench pieces. 
So I think you need a little bit more shooting, which those guys between Harris, Jokic, and Murray, those are hell of a three like core that they have. Well, and you can't forget Michael Porter Jr. And he's coming healthy. back. Yeah, yeah. The only question I did have was they have Isaiah Thomas. Now, two years ago, he was like an MVP candidate. He's going to be a free agent this summer. No, no, yeah, he's leaving for sure. But did you maybe not think to play him more in the playoffs? Well, I think it. W- I think what happened was because I remember at the s- – very end of the regular season they kind of like announced that he was just com- going to be completely taken out of the rotation it just wasn't the right fit for him i think he was still dealing with a little bit uh of the hip injury of, right? yeah of the hip injury that he was recovering from so i think it just denver wasn't the right situation for him yeah no granted this was just him to come back from his surgery show right. what he he still had maybe and then get signed by a team but i thought they would have used him just a little bit more because he could have been a good... They didn't but, use him at all. Yeah, I, I know. During the regular season, they've hardly used him. Playoffs, they didn't use him at all. But I thought maybe they would have inserted him at some points when their offense was a little bit dry. I think at that point, because he hadn't been healthy the whole season and he had been sporadically put in the lineup and it wasn't working, Denver just decided to go with their go like stick with their guns and who they've ran with the entire year. And it just was easier to keep him out of the rotation, not mess anything up. So that's probably why they didn't use him. I'm Listen, Isaiah Thomas can help any NBA team tomorrow. Oh, by f- no, by far he can. That's why I'm saying maybe you could have just five minutes. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. Denver proved a lot of people wrong. They did. I didn't have them beating the Spurs. No. I mean, yeah, this series wasn't supposed to happen. And again, t- you tip their, your, your hat off to them because they went two series in a row, seven games. Yeah. And that's that's really all you can ask from your players as a franchise. Yeah. No. Um, I do think that Portland did give them a run for their money in game, was it game three, the like four overtime yeah. game where Rodney Hood was the hero of that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And CJ, don't forget CJ had 41 in that game. CJ did have four, but Rodney Hood, though, the, the game ball goes to him that <laughs> game. It's funny. I tweeted it out during game seven. Uh, people forget CJ McCollum's never made an all-star game. No. Let's it, change that. Please, can we change that next season? I'll vote for him right now. But it's funny that him and his 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 co-host, so to speak, in Dame, they're kind of always under the radar. When Dame was first in the league, and there was times where he was given like the All Star because somebody was injured. Yeah, he wasn't voted in, or he's been snubbed. Yeah, or he's been snubbed two years. So they always go underneath the radar. Again, they play for a smaller market team, but still, you gotta give credit where it's due. Hundred percent. Now. The Warriors and Rockets. Before we talk about the the matchup between the Warriors and the Blazers, we had Steph Harden and uh, Steph Harden, Steph Curry, That's a new player. <laughs> That'd be a, a lethal player. Yeah, S- Steph Curry and James Harden both had gotten injured in the series in Game Two. Uh, neither missed significant time, but Kevin Durant, however was at first worried he had a torn Achilles. But luckily it turned out to just be a strained calf. That's what it looked like, though, when he landed. That's the scariest part is that he grabbed his leg. That's first sign of a torn Achilles. Yeah. It it happened in the third quarter of Game 5. He ended up missing Game 6. Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals uh, happened already tonight, and he was ruled out. I was worried that it was the Achilles when I saw it initially because it immediately took me back to when Kobe 
he tore reached, his Achilles. He reached down. He reached down the way the way KD was limping off the court. Everything looked like an Achilles injury. Thank God it wasn't. But I mean, KD was, in my opinion, at the time, the best player in the world and in the playoffs. And just the thought of losing him for the rest of the playoffs, that initial shock factor and being on Twitter and Twitter was going absolutely crazy. Uh, it just it would have been awful to not be able to watch him finish out the playoffs and try and go for this three-peat with the Warriors. It it was just very, very scary. Yeah, and I think if you were the Warriors, in their perspective, you think they're holding their breaths because this is going back to Houston. Now you are up. You did manage to pull, I think it was that game five out. You managed yeah. to pull game five out. Yeah, they did. And barely because you had Curry struggling. You had... Uh, Thompson struggling, but he did come alive towards the end of the game. So they're holding their breath because now you're going back to Houston, and it's very similar in last year when they lost Paul for game six and seven. Yeah. But from Houston, they did end up losing the game, so Houston got eliminated. But from Houston's standpoint, like, that's just sad. Yeah. Like, you had the opportunity. It was there, and you completely let it slip through your fingers. Yeah, and, I mean, this postseason when Durant is on the floor for the Warriors, they're plus 79 and they're minus 14 when he's on the bench. Uh, even though the Rockets had the, had an, they had every opportunity to steal game five and go into game six at home with the chance to close out the series, they once again crumbled in the spotlight and couldn't get the job done. In the final eight minutes and 30 seconds of the game, James Harden only took and made one shot. That's completely unacceptable for the Rockets, especially after KD had been out. And they're trying not to have game seven in Oakland. I almost feel like he gives up in these situations where, like, he kind of knows he's facing elimination or it's kind of over for him. So he stops shooting less, which I don't understand why. Like, you have to keep going, dude. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if he was just trying to focus on being the facilitator. And I, I know Chris Paul was hot, but he's he's the MVP candidate. He's He's the MVP of that team, like. He's got to take over. He's got to try and put that game away when he sees the opponent wounded. And they were wounded. You're without your best player, so to speak. Yeah. I know you still have Curry, and you still have Thompson and Draymond and whatever is left of their bench, but you are down an all-star. That means it's time to attack. Yeah. And then in game six in Houston, it started out really weird in the first half because Steph didn't score a single point. And it looked like the Warriors were in trouble. But in the second half, Steph he, he was came alive. <laughs> Steph was a completely different person. And he, he went off for 33 points. In the final four minutes of game six, Steph and the Rockets both combined, uh, tied in points. Steph scored 16 points in the final four minutes. The Rockets scored 16 points in the final four minutes. Completely outplayed them. And, I mean, it's unreal that that the Warriors were able to stay in it and basically Jesus having a brain fart. I don't know where I was going. Well, well, to, well, before you know, you can think about it right now, but I think <laughs> in, in that argument, wow. like I remember them going into that game. I said, you know what? I think the Warriors dropped this game. You're talking about game six. Yes. Game six. I think just going into the game, I said they're without KD. So you thought we were about to have, I Three we, Game 7s and Game of Thrones to deal with on Man, Mother's I was, Day? Man, I was ready. I was Game of Thrones on one TV, uh, borrow somebody else's TV, laptop it out. Oh, my god! It's kind of what you did for the NCAA tournament. You know, That's you exactly had a bunch of iPads. But I think going into Game 6, though, 
I had the Warriors losing just because it is on the road. They are without KD. Both Curry and Thompson kind of struggled in game five. Yeah. And, yeah, the first half looked like it. Like, it was over for them. Maybe they were in trouble. But I think what people forgot, and including myself, this team won a championship without KD yeah. a couple years ago. They're still very capable of winning. Yeah, that's what that's what I don't get. And there's so many people that I've heard already put the Warriors and the Bucks in the finals, and I've heard people be like, "Oh yeah, the the Bucks they got a they got a pretty good chance to beat the Warriors if they if they meet in the finals and KD doesn't play." It's like, hold on a second. The Warriors won a championship without KD. The Bucks have never been to the NBA Finals. Now I get they're a great team. The Warriors are still winning the playoffs, no matter if it's Bucks, Raptors, some team, the Monstars. Yeah, like the Warriors are winning the NBA championship this year, no matter what. No, no, by far, just because you have that team that has been intact. The, the whole core has been there. The yeah. whole system has been there since 2015. Like they have, they just have that championship like experience. So there's, there's. I don't know why you would put them against a team and say, oh, the Bucks couldn't. They have a shot. No, they don't have a shot. Maybe they have a shot at a, at a, a game. Yeah, one game. Yeah, not a whole series. No, it's, I don't. I don't over. think anybody can beat the Warriors with or without KD in a seven-game series. And no. KD, realistically, if I mean the way it went tonight with the Warriors winning, and we'll t- we'll talk about the game in a second. He can sit out. He doesn't need to play the Western Conference Finals. They're still going to win the series. And if he doesn't play the entire Western Conference Finals. Let's say they sweep. They're going to have so much time in between the f- the conference finals and the finals. KD will be healthy by game one. A strained calf he'll for be re- an NBA player is a seven to ten day injury. He'll be injury. ready to go. Yeah. Now, I don't normally agree with Nick Wright from FS1, but he said this was a series, or this era, or this was this series was an era defining loss for the Rockets because. They have been so obsessed with beating the Warriors over the past few years. They were up 15 in game six and seven last year, and they couldn't win. KD went down in game five, and they couldn't win when they were when they were up. And they were up seven points in the fourth quarter of game six and couldn't win. Yeah. The, their, their whole situation reminds me of in the 80s, early 90s of the Pistons and Bulls. Now, before the Bulls dynasty was ever created, they could not pass the Pistons. But it is the opposite. They, they did find the secret eventually, and then they won three straight titles. Right. It is the complete opposite, though, for the Rockets. How many times have they seen and been eliminated by the Warriors? I think it's four or five, right? This, it's at least three years in a row. Three years in a row, and they've, and they've been eliminated, I think, or they've seen them in the playoffs at some point in the last five years. Yeah, every, year in the, every time in the last five yeah. years. So it's, but it's the complete opposite with them. They have not found that recipe, the missing piece, which they thought, hey, maybe adding Chris Paul, another all-star. That hasn't worked. He got injured last year, right? As he does every year in the they playoffs. They gave up both of their two best, probably best defensive players in a reason. Well, and in Mute, giving him up because he was important on the defensive end. But I mean, it's just yeah, they, they just they just haven't found like like the recipe to beat the Warriors. Which, mind you, they are the closest team in the West to beating them. There's no other team I think that could beat them in a seven game series right now. Right now. 
besides the Houston Rockets. They are the closest. I don't think that. Well, clearly the Rockets can't beat them in a. But yeah, no, series. Ex- exactly. No, what I'm saying not that they can't or, or they can. They are the closest to beating them. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Every other team is a couple notches down. Yeah. Now, <laughs> did you saw the the story about what happened before Game Six? I did. So very sus move by Chris Paul. I mean. I don't. I wouldn't say it's sus. I love the. I love the guy. Like he's one of my favorite players. But I feel like as he's gotten older, like that grumpy old man syndrome has kicked in early, and he's <laughs> just like a pain in the ass to people. I that I can agree with. So, what happened was when the Warriors arrived in Houston before Game Six from the Bay Area, Steph wanted to get some shots up, and so the team got court time booked at the Toyota Center, the Houston Rockets Arena. And as soon as CP3 got wind of Steph heading to the Toyota Center to get shots up, CP3 went straight to the Toyota Center to get up shots. Sus move. <laughs> now, with CP3 going to the the court, he obviously has priority. He gets full run. Yeah, he gets, yeah. He gets priority over Steph because that's his home court. Now, Steph offered to use only half the court, and CP3 used the other half, but CP3 wasn't having it. Hey, there's a compromise for everything, but right. But Steph ended up getting kicked off the court, and so on the way back to the locker room after winning Game Six and sending the Rockets home for the year, Steph was caught on camera yelling. I love that video. Yeah, Steph was caught on camera yelling, uh, "Kick me off the court again, boy!" And Draymond was yelling, "Kick him off! Kick him off!" Uh, so, but I mean, listen, CB3, a little bit of gamesmanship, uh, not the best move, I think, for the NBA Players Association president. No, Kick it. that's why I'm saying he, he he's a good representative for this for the players union. But, but when he does crap like that, like cheering when they get calls yeah. and like kicking players off the court when they want to work out. Come on, dude. Yeah, not not the best look, but I mean, it's a little bit of gamesmanship. There is a rivalry, obviously, between the Rockets and the Warriors. There is history. But I mean, I mean, be mad about it. But I, I understand the move. It's very like it's very tactical. In oh, this, yeah. In, in the sense of, hey, I'm going to not let him shoot around for you know, his hour of practice that he reserved, you know, the court for. Right. But, like, he did offer to share the court. Right. So Steph was trying to be the bigger guy. But another interesting Steph stat was he's made 68 straight free throws in the fourth quarter or overtime in the playoffs, and that dates back to game six of the 2015 NBA Finals. Jeez. So, I mean, that's just crazy impressive. This is uh, before or after he got his contacts and he shot better. <laughs> yeah, this is before and after. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, then he clearly did have good eyesight before he was just lying. Well, now he's got a hundred times better, according to him. Well, then he shouldn't miss now. He had a hell of a game tonight. I'll tell you yeah. that much. So, speaking of which, the Warriors and Blazers—that is the Western Conference Finals matchup. This series might be the most exciting sweep of all time. Yeah, I think the Warriors win it in four. I wouldn't be shocked if Portland steals one and this goes five, but... I could see them winning one at the Moda Center, and that's probably about it. But, I mean, if if KD does come back, let's say, let's say because they won tonight, he sits out game two, they win game two, but he tells the coaching staff, like, no, nah, I'm good to go. Like, let me play game three. Let me, let me get some run in me. I haven't played in a couple days. Uh, let, me, let me play. Goes out and plays game three and just waxes them. Yeah. No, I think I think for Portland though, they just don't have as as much as they have in CJ and Dame, they don't have enough. Like yeah. they had that in Nurkage, but he went down. 
and you have that with Cantor, but he's still dealing with his shoulder injury. And he's doing he's playing in the NBA playoffs while going through Ramadan. He's not drinking water. Yeah, during that the that games. to me is a yeah that to me is a very crazy. Hey, Hakeem Olajuwon he, won an NBA championship on Ramadan. Well, then if he can do it, then so can Cantor, <laughs> or he can at least get to the conference finals, which they have. Yeah, but I don't think that team has enough. Like Evan Turner, he's another player who, in my opinion, he's disappointed me this season or so far in the playoffs Mm -hmm. I think I saw a stat where it was games one through five of that series against Denver or games one through six he had I think 14 points and then in game seven he had 10 so he finally showed up when it mattered most yeah kudos to you but you haven't helped this team in their first round in the second round are you gonna help them in the third round yeah no I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see if uh if Evan Turner can show up now this is the Warriors' fifth straight conference finals in a row. They're going to keep going. This is the first time a team has gotten to at least five straight conference finals since the Detroit Pistons did it. In 04, right? 03 to 08. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was six times. Uh, and then this is Damon CJ's first conference finals. And honestly, it's it's the re- respect to them. There are two hell of, of uh, you know, kinds of players, you know, dominate the ball they take turns that system works for them in portland they're just in that area too where you're not as good as the warriors but you're not as bad as like the mavericks right you know where you're like looking into the playoffs hoping to get there you're in that three spot yeah you usually like consistently i would say the past probably five years i I think the the blazers have got gotten to the playoffs and been seated anywhere from I believe it's like three to six or three to seven. Yeah, no, they've they've been seated well and they've won games, but their their whole issue is they're a mid market franchise. Right now they're known for beer and coffee in Portland. Who the hell wants to go over there? And it rains eight months of the year. <laughs> like it's yeah. a little bit depressing. Now you have they've drafted right. They got CJ. They got Dame. They have small young picks. They traded for. Players like Al, Al Farouk Aminu. Yeah. Seth Curry's been great for them. Seth Curry's another good piece off the we bench. Got, we got the Seth Curry versus now, Steph Curry. Yeah, now we have brothers in the conference final. I think it's for the first time that we have that. Yeah, it is. That is for the first time. Did you see how his parents, are yeah. they wearing jerseys? Well, they flipped a coin to see who was going to root for who. Oh, that sucks. And the coin landed on Portland for the mom. So the Curry mom, I don't, I don't know her name. She uh, she's rooting for Portland this series, and then Dell is going to root for the Warriors. So, as either parent, are you just like really rooting for Steph, and like Seth is just like the I don't think they give a se- shit, second best. I don't think they give a shit, honestly. Well, that's one awkward dinner table I want to be at. Well, and you can't forget the sister. Yeah, is marrying Austin Rivers. Again, one awkward <laughs> dinner table I want to be at. I don't want Doc there. I don't want Austin there. Yeah, but all right, back back to on the court now. I think the biggest storyline, obviously, we got two teams with two pairs of guards that are probably the, the two best backcourts in the NBA. And for a time, it was Beal and Wall, but I think they've kind of they've they've stepped down. I would of Wall. I would say they've taken a step down because of Wall and Damon CJ have honestly taken a step up. They have because of how how they've been playing this postseason and this season during the regular season. Now this postseason combined. I got I got both pairs numbers. Dame and CJ this postseason are combining for fifty four points per game, nine point four assists a game, and they shoot thirty eight percent from three. Steph and Clay, on the other hand, Clay has struggled a little bit, and Steph obviously has the injured middle finger. They're averaging forty two point six points per game and six point 
eight assists per game. They're also shooting 38% from three. It's going to be really fun to watch these two pairs of guards go up against each other. Dame obviously is from Oakland. He loves playing at home. That's he, his hometown. He's got a chip on his shoulder yep. as always. He's one of he's one of the best players in the league. CJ, he's got the same chip Dame has coming from a mid-major school in Lehigh. And then Stephen Clay, arguably the two best shooters of all time. It's a lot of firepower in in one series. It is, and that's why Dame and CJ, they're dogs. Like, Dame, that's why he's one of my favorite players, just because of the way he plays. 100%. Very smooth. He has all he has all three assets of the game. He can get to the cup, he can shoot the mid-range, and he has not just a three ball now, but he has logo. <laughs> yeah, that's where he shoots it from, the logo. But I think when championship teams, though, they need the others. You, don't, you can't just have, you know, two good players. Because that's what you do need. You need the scoring power. But what about the others? And those others, like the Evan Turners and the um, the Alfaruka Minus, the the Cantors, where are they going to show up? Right. For with, with Golden State, you know who you have. You have Draymond. You have Iggy. You have Livingston. So you, those guys, they show up. They've been there already. Right. Now, one more one more quick interesting stat for Damian Lillard before we talk about what happened in Game One. Damian Lillard will now have faced more all first and second NBA team players in the Western Conference this postseason than LeBron did from 2011 to 2018 in the East. Well, yeah, the East was crap back yeah. then. But, but I, it's just I, that's just a mind blowing. But stat. but res, but respected to Lillard though. And it's it's always funny when Tyler and I were on the show. We we talk a lot about the parity and competition between the East and the West. And this is literally the biggest indication of that parody. Oh, by far it is. Like, you just see who he had to go up against the first round. You went up against two All-Stars. Yeah. And managed to put them away in Game 6 off a buzzer beater from the logo. Right. So you've seen the, the caliber of players he's faced. And it's not it's, it's not a fluke either because he, that, that whole buzzer beater, if let's, if let's say if you would have just watched that and said, all right, well, it was a lucky shot. Go back a couple no, years ago, he did that at, to Houston. And look at look at his percentages from exactly. from those spots on the floor during that series and in the postseason this year. I think just he's he's really proven himself since he got to the league from the get go. Everybody thought that Davis was going to be rookie of the year in his class. This this guy comes out from a college. Same thing with McCollum comes out from a college that nobody maybe have heard about. Very low key, yeah. not really on the map. Work rookie of the year, easy. You know who was his uh, backcourt mate at Weber State? Ooh. No, I do not. Frank Nitty. Oh, he was? Yeah. Pretty crazy. There you go. All right. Game one of this series happened tonight. Uh, we started recording this probably about 10 minutes after the game was over. And the Warriors ended up winning game one, 116 to 94. And you were talking about before how there are question marks on who's going to show up for the Blazers. Tonight, no one showed up. That's the issue. And the Warriors, everyone showed up because they sh they shot incredibly well. They played stellar defense. They forced 21 turnovers that resulted in 31 points. And Portland as a team shot 36% from the field and 25% from three-point. Now, CJ and Dame, who we talk, we've been talking about this whole time of having so much firepower – and maybe they can steal one game at the Moda Center. Uh, maybe they can push it to five. They end up shooting 11 for 30. 
which is 36.7% from the field and only combined for 36 points in game one, while their counterparts, Steph and Clay, combined for 62. They shoot 22 of 47, which is 46.8%, and they shoot 50% from three-point, 12 of 14. Or, excuse me, 12 of 24. Excuse me. Yeah, 12 of 24. Yeah, it's, see, that's that's the issue going forward. It's just exactly what I said before, that if they don't show up in games, who's going to help them? Is Canner going to go off? Is he going to have a good game? Yeah. Is Seth Curry going to shoot the ball better? It's, I mean, looking at the box score. Hold on, i got to pull it up real quick. They just need help from their bench. That's all it is. They just need help from their bench, and they need help from their role players. Yeah, and if they don't if they don't get that, this is going to be this is going to be four games, not five. Rodney Hood had seventeen off the bench, but Evan Turner had zero. See. Seth Seth Curry only had three. Jacob Lehman had zero. Zach Collins only had eight. Scal had zero, but Harkless had seventeen. Cantor had ten. Damon CJ obviously had nineteen and seventeen. Aminu had three. It's 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 hard when you don't get any production on the offensive end. The Warriors are playing such stellar defense, and then everything obviously is clicking on all cylinders on offense, even without Kevin Durant. It's got to be pretty demoralizing no, for, it, for the Trailblazers. It is. They see that, and it's like what you said. They were On the Warriors' standpoint, they were all on, and the Blazers, they couldn't buy a bucket. And from the Warriors' standpoint, when everybody's hitting shots, that's a scary team. It's scary to begin with when you have – Curry, you have Thompson, you have Durant, you know, you have Draymond, and those d- result in wins. Now, when everybody's on their game, those are blowouts. Yeah. And we saw today, when everybody's hitting shots, that's an easy win for the Warriors. Yeah, and I'm expecting nothing less in game two. Yeah, and that's with Durant sitting on the bench. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know yet exactly the status for game two for Kevin Durant, but, I mean, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, they got to look, them, look themselves in the mirrors and be like, what kind of performance do we want to put on in front of the national audience? Because we got embarrassed in the first round. We've kind of somewhat redeemed ourselves this season by getting to the conference finals. But now that you're in the conference finals and you're looking the monster dead in the face, it's prime time. You gotta, you gotta do something. And we talked, we talked about Damian Lillard being, uh, being looked at as, Someone who's got a chip on his shoulder. C.J. McCollum's got a chip on his shoulder. The chip just got bigger, and it's time to time to show us what what they got. I, I don't think this this continues for them as far as like their struggle. I think they come out in game two and they play a lot better. Yeah, I do too. But now that's when you really need more help from your others, from your bench, and from your role players because they're going to give you your 30, 40, 50, whatever, 47 points. doesn't matter what they score, but now you need help from the others. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's really going to take you over the top, if not even you out with the Warriors. Yeah, definitely. Now, we we said it at the top. We, we think this is going to be a, a sweep. Maybe five games. I'm I'm gonna stick with the sweep. You know what? All in. Sweep. I still Four I still games. have faith in in my Four guy games. Dame. So I'm going five. They take one of the Moda Center. I went actually to Portland in March when I last came yeah, on the yeah. show. Now that's a hell of a place to play out. Those those fans like they really just cherish that team. They that's no, all they got. They have nothing else. Yeah. But coffee and beer, like I said, Tyler's, <laughs> Tyler's been to more Portland Trailblazers game than probably any other sporting event. He said. 
then he then he can speak for me because those <laughs> people they just love their team. Now it's it's tough to play in, so I'm gonna go with five that they squeeze in maybe one game and pull it out. Yeah. So all right, we got I got Warriors Raptors in the finals. You got Warriors Raptors in the finals, or you're, you're sticking with the Bucks? No, I'm still going with Warriors Bucks. I still okay. believe in that team. All right. Well, we gotta we gotta keep everybody honest. Uh, when Tyler gets back next week, obviously, he'll give his prediction. If 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 the finals matchups aren't set by then, but I'm not really sure how the scheduling works out for the games. Yeah, I hope there's anyway. no sweeps. Otherwise, that won't happen. Yeah. Now, moving on to some off season talk that's being talked about around the association. We got the NBA coach and carousel, and then we'll, we'll get to the draft lottery that happened earlier tonight and that's what everybody's <laughs> been looking forward to is just the uh the odds for zion yeah exactly so we'll get to that in a little bit i want to talk first about the nba coaching carousel because last week tyler and i literally were talking about how ty Lu was the front runner for the laker job it was basically it was basically his job and frank vogel was potentially going to be his lead assistant and then we posted the episode talked about it thought thought the conversation went great then on Wednesday, it broke that talks between the Lakers and Lou had broken off and the Lakers were moving on to other candidates. Lou wanted five years. The Lakers offered him three and Ty Lou was offended because he took it as basically he was only going to be the coach until LeBron's contract was up. And then he's gone. Yeah. And then they would move on from Ty Lou as well. And the Lakers also tried to force Jason Kidd to be on Ty Lou's staff, basically meaning Lou wouldn't have control over who he picked for his assistant coaching staff and with the Lakers moving on from Ty Lue and that whole situation breaking down the Lakers interviewed Frank Vogel who was supposed to be Ty Lue's lead assistant they ended up coming to an agreement of three years which Ty Lue turned down and Jason Kidd would be Frank Vogel's lead assistant now I understand why Ty Lue said no I'm not too happy about it because it wasn't another comma in his contract <laughs> Well, that's besides the point. But I'm more upset with how the Lakers and how they handled this whole situation. But I'm happy at least that the Lakers have a head coach. There's now some sort of direction with the team because we can look at Frank Vogel and what he's done offensively and defensively with past teams. And we can kind of see somewhat of what the identity of this team might look like depending on how free agency goes. But now we might have an idea of where the direction is in free agency that this team wants to go. I'm starting to warm up to the idea of Vogel being a head, uh, being the head coach. I liked him as the lead assistant because he would have been in charge of the defense and he hasn't had a team. That's great offensively. Well, no, it, no, he's had pretty good offensive teams, but defensively he's had very good teams and those Indiana Miami heat matchups are legendary in my opinion with those Paul George, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson teams against the big three in Miami. But I'm not too sure about Jason Kidd being on the staff. I think it bodes well for Lonzo, which I guess is good in my opinion because I want Lonzo to succeed on the Lakers. But I just didn't want Kidd coming anywhere near this team after his failures in Brooklyn and Milwaukee and what they've done since he's left and then all the stuff that's happened off the court with Jason Kidd with domestic violence issues and arrests yeah. and all of that. It's just, it's not a good look 
No, because you're just piling on at this point. Right. Yeah. But it's really the issue of the Lakers forcing someone onto the staff of the head coach. And usually for most NBA teams, once you hire the head coach, he has free reign on who he hires as assistants. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit weird, but, I mean, he's the coach now. Jason Kidd is a part of the staff. we got to live with it as Laker fans. And just hope for the best, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think the move for Vogel was was solid. It wasn't obviously your best pick, and not the first choice, not, not the your, second choice. Not your, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you got what you could. Now the whole kid thing, I do agree. Yeah, you don't want all of his off court issues to come in with him. The only bright side I see to hiring him is the player progression, and that's specifically with Lonzo, but with other players as well. So I think he can help the core progress just with them, as far as like. He's working on player progression well. Frank Vogel and the other staff, they handle everything else. You handle yeah. the X's and O's. You handle the game plan. Kid probably shouldn't have hands on that because of, like what you said, his previous coaching experiences. Yeah. Like, where did that get him without a job? <laughs> exactly. Now, I understand why Ty Lue turned it down. He was offended by the contract offer, and at the end of the day, he's still getting paid by Cleveland. He has no real reason to go out and get a job while he's getting paid to sit on the couch. Yeah, there's no rush for him. Frank Vogel, on the other hand, has been looking for a job and hasn't been getting paid by another team. So he obviously is, I'm sure, elated to be the Lakers head coach. I mean, he's about to be the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Which he used to work with them before. He used to be a scout for them. Really? Long time ago. I didn't know this. Yeah, so he used to be a scout for them. That was before his days as an assistant coach. So he is making his return to the team in some sense. And he is one of those guys. He is one of those guys like Eric Spolster. He started off as a video coordinator. So maybe he could be like that Eric Spolster in the sense of he started off, he's building a young team, he's a young coach. He did have a good stint with Indiana. The two years he had with Orlando, maybe not the most promising, but look at the roster well, he had. Exactly. The the cards he was dealt in Orlando are not indicative of exactly. his coaching style. I'm I'm not holding Orlando against him. Exactly. So, yeah, so those two years is, is besides the point. But his six years with Indiana was five um five playoff appearances, two straight final uh Eastern Conference finals appearances. That's that's a and solid that, and, resume. And that was at the height of the big three yes. Le- LeBron era. Yeah. You had to go through Miami. Yeah. Now that's a pretty that's a pretty solid resume. Not impressive, but it's it'll do the job. So I think the hire for them is that yes, they did have to get that whole issue of who's our coach. They had to get that off the table. Yeah, and at, before they actually made it official that they were hiring him, I just logically couldn't understand how they were not going after a president of basketball operations before hiring a head coach. It's like you got to hire the boss before you hire the employee. Yeah, but the front office. We don't really know what's up with them right now, but I mean, for, for yeah, for a team that's such in like the limelight, they have the most dysfunctional front office right now with Johnson leaving. Uh, they're one of them. Knicks are still. I would still say the Knicks are more dysfunctional than the Lakers. Well, but, okay, but they are. They I are one be, of them. Knicks I might and Suns. be clouded by a little bias. In yeah. There. No, I would. I would definitely throw the Knicks and the Suns in there. But the, the Lakers have had a disappointing season overall as far as their team and their front office, but. Would like Jeannie, she hasn't really said anything. Magic leaving, so they kind of had some issues that yeah. they have to deal with. And it's going to be really interesting because Monday, Magic is supposed to go on first take, and it's also the Frank Vogel introductory press conference. Wow, well, that's 
It's a, du- a dual-headed day for them. Yeah. Now, the other head coaching vacancy that has been filled is the Cleveland Cavaliers job. Uh, John Beeline is leaving the University of Michigan after 12 years and two Final Four appearances. I was kind of shocked to hear that he was leaving Michigan, but honestly, why not go to the next level to see if you can make it work when the opportunity comes? So, I mean, we'll see what happens in Cleveland. He's got a young team. I think for a first-time NBA head coach, I think Cleveland is a good situation because of the roster and situation that the franchise is in. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a long leash in terms of leeway, uh, in terms of job security. Oh, he no, he is. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And I think he can look up to the to the Brad Stevens and the the Billy Donovans who they've come in at the college level and they didn't have any NBA experience. Now they come yeah. in and they're somewhat successful right off the bat. So he can probably look up to them. Which with Cleveland, it's like kind of a, a like low risk, like like high reward for them because for sure th- they have nobody else. They've been since LeBron left and even before his first leave, like they had no like true identity as a head coach. Yeah. No system. Now with him, he does bring in that that structure from Michigan. Yeah. And that doesn't get you to nine what is it, uh how many finals appearances? That that two, right? Two final four appearances. Two final four. Now look at his his the program that they had. I think nine of them have been NBA prospects. Yeah. So the program is pretty solid at Michigan. Oh, Michigan's a very respected basketball program. Exactly. I would say. And so I think he comes in and he he does fix it. Does he get them to the playoffs right away? Who knows? The East is a little weak, so he could. But yeah. he does have the young core that he can kind of mold a little bit, and he does have the veterans that he that they can help them. Yeah, and, and a few of those veterans are still left over from the championship team. Exactly. So they have they have the the experience definitely, and him he does have like the resume at the college level, and I think he can make the jump to the NBA, and he could be somewhat successful. Yeah. So the only job left is the Memphis Grizzlies. Luke Walton is obviously the new head coach of the Kings after getting fired from the Lakers. Monty Williams is the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns after leaving his assistant position in Philadelphia. Frank Vogel is now the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers after leaving his couch. And John Beeline is now the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers after leaving Michigan. Memphis, I think, is in an interesting position now with the number two pick. Uh, we'll talk. Oh, they're happy. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see who they hire as their head coach and what that head coach wants to do with the number two pick. Now, speaking of the number two pick, let's talk about the NBA draft lottery because I was so anxious all day coming into this draft lottery. Uh, I'm wearing my Kyle Kuzma jersey right now. For good he, luck, because yeah, he was, was there. I was wearing it for good luck, because he was... He was also wearing a purple suit as well. Yeah, he was the Lakers representative at the draft lottery. Now, the results of the lottery were very interesting, and I'll run through it real quick, and then we can kind of dissect it a little bit. Now, the number one overall pick, the New Orleans Pelicans. The number two overall pick, the Memphis Grizzlies. Number three, the, the New York Knicks. Number four, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number five, Cleveland Cavaliers. Six, Phoenix Suns. Seven, Chicago Bulls. Eight, Atlanta Hawks. Nine, Washington Wizards. Ten was the Dallas Mavericks, but that pick actually goes to the Atlanta Hawks as part of the Trey Young, Luka Doncic deal. Eleven is Minnesota. Twelve is the Charlotte Hornets. Thirteen is the Miami Heat. And then fourteen is actually the Boston Celtics, who got that pick from Sacramento 
who got that pick from Philadelphia. Yeah, these all these trades of the picks, that was done years before. Yeah. And, you know, sending someone here with a pick. Yeah, you got that, like, 2019 first-round pick unprotected or And whatever. you don't think about it until now. Yeah, it's until like, those oh. Those ping-pong balls drop, and you're like, oh, crap, I got to give that up, actually. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's that pick that we traded yeah. that year. But, but I think I think just to sum it up, from what I got, just from watching the pieces of it, of the lottery, because I was at work, I was at the stadium watching it, yeah, but we know. There was three teams. There was three <laughs> teams that got screwed. That was the Suns, yeah, the Bulls, and the Cavs. Yeah, I. I think they got screwed. They definitely. I would definitely agree with that statement. Now the teams that didn't get screwed were the Pelicans and the Lakers and both, the Grizzlies. Both of oh, I would say yeah. Both of those teams, besides the Grizzlies, they were pretty bad too. They were well bottom of the of the, the Lakers. The Lakers were projected to get the eleventh pick. But if they didn't get the 11th pick, they automatically were in the top four. So it was very high risk, high reward kind of situation for them. Yeah. Now, obviously, the biggest news is we all we all thought it was a foregone conclusion. The Knicks were going to get the number one overall pick. They were going to draft Zion and the Knicks would be back. That's not how it works here. That's not how it works. No. There's there's percentages in. You can never you, you never really know which percentage chance you have until the ping pong balls drop. And New Orleans ends up with the number one overall pick. And I think this changes everything for New Orleans and Anthony Davis and that whole situation. I don't see why Anthony Davis wouldn't now change his mind that the Pelicans will draft Zion, play out the last year of his contract, and Give it a shot with Zion. See if they can win with him, Holiday, and Zion. And if it's not working and they aren't in playoff contention then by the trade walks. deadline, trade him at the, trade him at the yeah. deadline. Let him walk at, at the end of free agency. I just don't see why he shouldn't give it a shot. Now, there are reports from Shams saying that he's still not changing his mind. He still wants out of New Orleans. But I just I don't think it's the right move. Uh, why not play w- with Zion? Like he's the most coveted NBA prospect since LeBron. Why not just give it a shot? Yeah. Which, well, so the thing with draft picks, it's always a gamble. You just don't know if they're gonna pan out. They're one injury away from their career being over, and so I think for Davis, he doesn't think it might pan out. So he wants to go to a contending team right away. He doesn't care who this kid is. No matter if, if he is the most coveted player from you know since LeBron, so yeah. Well, I think now that the Knicks have the third pick and not the number one overall pick, I think the Knicks are going to try and put together a package with the number three pick and some players for Anthony Davis and the number one overall pick, so they can pair Anthony Davis and Zion together in New York. But I mean, it's just New Orleans getting the number one overall pick was they have a lot sent, of options with it, it now it it sent shockwaves through the nba nobody expected this no everybody projected new york to take it or even like chicago because they might have gotten it or phoenix or phoenix or people were going to say it's rigged and the lakers were going to get the number one overall pick Hey, it happened to Cleveland the year lebron or it was two years after lebron right when they got yeah, it was the wiggins draft was it the Wiggins or was it the Bennett draft where they had a very low chance of getting the the number one? It was pick? the Wiggins. It was the Wiggins draft because Anthony Bennett didn't work out the year before. And then they yeah then they and traded him. they were supposed to be 
they were projected as the 14th, the last pick in the lottery. And they somehow got and they first. bumped up to the first pick yeah. to get Andrew R- Wiggins. Ridiculous. Yeah. So it's like there's nothing new here. So the Pelicans, it's surprising that they got number one because everybody thought it was going to be New York. Yeah. But now that New Orleans has the number one overall pick, I don't think the Lakers should go after Anthony Davis since they now have the fourth pick. They were able to improve their odds by jumping up from 11 to 14. They, they're in a situation now where, forget the front office for a second, I think roster-wise they're in a very good position and have multiple options of what they can do. They can develop the young guys. LeBron's going to be healthy. I think Jesse Buss and Ryan West are going to knock this pick out of the park at number four. Or they could use the fourth pick as a a trade asset for... It's very tradable, too. Yeah, it's very tradable. They could use it as a trade asset for maybe Anthony Davis, maybe someone else. I don't know. I I don't want to give up on the young core yet. I still am on that train because I think if by trading the fourth pick, you're going to have to include one, maybe two players from the young core. You would definitely have to include at least one. So, And then we also have this max free agency slot, and I think I'm sticking with this. I think Kawhi's coming. And he's not going to go to the Clippers? No, I don't. I will refuse to believe that free agents will think the Clippers are a better free agent destination than the Lakers until I am proven otherwise. Until the Clippers... Until the Lakers lose out on a free agent to the Clippers, I will refuse to believe that free agents think the Clippers are better than the Lakers. Even with the team that the Clippers have right now. Until I see someone sign with the Clippers, they are. I will refuse to believe they are a better free agent destination than the Lakers. It's well, absolutely impossible for me to think that. You better hope Kawhi comes to the Lakers. I think he is. I really think he is. So you don't see the Lakers trading their their fourth pick i would rather they wouldn't i think they can get an nba ready talent at four because their previous draft pick last year wagner didn't work out for them Mind it's not you. that he, no it's not that he hasn't worked out yet it's it, last year i'm canceling last year very young guy he's not ready he's not ready yet at but all. let's see the steps he takes this summer he, I definitely think he has a future in the NBA. Wh- whether it's with the Lakers or not, I don't know. But I think he can play in the NBA. And I hope it is with the Lakers, and I hope he does well for the Lakers because he's on the Lakers right now. And then, until that happens, I w- will continue to root for him. Now, if they package the fourth pick, let's just say that they do to tr- decide to trade it, mm-hmm. I think they should acquire more shooting because that was their struggle They definitely last- need to acquire more yeah, shooting. That was their struggle last year. Yeah, no, I complete. I completely agree with that statement. But I think you could also get some shooting in this draft. But I mean, we'll see. It's. Uh, I mean, I was I was watching the 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 lottery live, and when it was announced that uh, Minnesota got the eleventh pick, and the Lakers automatically jumped to the top four, my heart started racing, my hands started shaking. I was like, "We're gonna get the number one pick." We're going to get the number one I was pick. hoping for at least top three. Hey, but top four I'll take, though. I, tw- I tweeted this morning. I was like, the world might not be ready tonight if the Lakers get the number one pick, but I am. 
Oh, because you had been singing <laughs> it for the longest time. I would be singing like a canary if the Lakers had gotten the number one pick. But, hey, number four is still pretty damn good, and I'm totally okay with it. I think Ryan Weston, Jerry uh, Jerry Buss, rest in peace, Jesse Buss, his son, uh, have found diamonds in the rough in the draft over the past few years. I think they're going to knock this pick out of the park. Now it's just the question whether do you trade it or, or do you keep it and develop it with the other young guys. Right. And that's what the Lakers are going to have to decide to do. And I really, really hope the front office doesn't fuck this up because they fucked so many things up this offseason, and I'm sick of it. That'd be another uh, mark on their belt. Oh, yeah. To go along with the other ones. Yeah. But, but if you're if you're New Orleans, do you somehow – Get rid of? Do you trade? Let's say the number one pick. Why not? Maybe to try. You know, maybe you pair up somebody with Anthony Davis in New Orleans to try to keep him, even though he said he's already leaving. Yeah, I mean, the only way I think they trade the number one pick is if they, if it's part of the Anthony Davis trade, and they get a superstar in return. Because that they would have to get a superstar in return to give up the number one overall pick. Yeah. Because I think the whole point of getting rid of Anthony Davis would be to keep the number one pick and build your team from there and build your team around Zion. But you would obviously, if you just trade Anthony Davis straight up, you you would most likely just be getting young assets in return. Probably instead of a superstar and, and super instead of a superstar and probably some future picks, not a, a superstar right now, the only way you could get a superstar right now is to include the number one overall pick, in my opinion, if I was New Orleans. So if you're New Orleans GM, which they just have a new GM. Yes, they do. And are you, are you drafting Zion? Yeah. I, I'm drafting Zion no matter what. No matter what team would have got the number one overall pick. I mean, I would take him too. I'm just asking. What, if you're in New Orleans' shoes, what do you do? Do you trade it? Do you keep it? I, I'm, keep, I'm keeping it. And drafting Zion with the hopes that you can maybe convince that, it, that at Davis least, to stay. That at least you can convince Davis to stay and try and get the team to playoff contention by the trade deadline. I would be I would be in agreement with Anthony Davis as the New Orleans front office that if we weren't in playoff contention by a certain date before the trade deadline, I would start working on a trade so that I as my as a franchise can get assets in return for something that I would be giving up. In terms of a business sense. Well, then they have a lot on their mind from here and the NBA well, draft and the free agency. Yeah, I mean, the the draft is, I believe, like two or three days after the NBA Finals is over. And then, like, a week later is July 1st. Then they go to Summer League, and then it's in full effect again. Yeah, and it, it starts all right back up again. But, yeah, so real quick, before we get out of here, I... I've done this a few times on the show where, and it's something that I love to do because I just love being on Twitter and going down certain rabbit holes and finding crazy stats and stuff. Uh, I found a few things on Twitter and I wanted to get Jacob's instant reaction and on, on a few of these things. And I thought it just would be fun to discuss on the show. These hot takes or what are they? Yeah. Hot takes, uh, what ifs, whatever you want to call them. All right. Let's hear the hot takes. Kyler Murray's signing bonus in the MLB was $4.6 million. And in the NFL, it was $23.5 million as the number one overall pick. Did he make the right choice by going to football? 
Yes. He cashed out with the NFL. Yeah. I would do the same thing, too. If you if you could play either sport and you're good at either sport, Yeah, which from my understanding he was, that's the hell of an athlete. I'm going to cash out with the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, you like you're saying, cash out with the NFL, it's you get more money up front as the number one overall draft pick than you would as like, I believe he was the 14th pick in the MLB draft. And he also has uh, stipulations in his contract with the athletics that even though he did choose football and chose to go into the NFL draft, he still has an opportunity in a few years that he can go back to, to baseball. Go back. Okay. If football doesn't work out. Well, so then, yeah, hell yeah, he made the right decision. Yeah, I, I definitely think he made That's the right decision. That's a no-brainer. So, but I just wanted to, because of the, the money comparison, I wanted to see what you thought. Now, the next one is, in 1990, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson were going to play one-on-one for a million dollars on pay-per-view. At the time, Magic was the reigning MVP, and Michael Jordan had yet to make the finals, but... Obviously, Michael Jordan was coming into to who he was as the GOAT. He was just beating the uh, the Pistons. Yeah. Unfortunately, the NBA shut it all down, and it never happened. It was supposed to be at Caesars Palace, the whole thing. The The NBA didn't – I mean, the winner was going to get a million dollars, and they were going to profit off of, off of this themselves. It had nothing to do with the NBA. But the NBA ended up somehow shutting it down. So it was just a fun game. Yeah, it was just a one-on-one for a million dollars on pay-per-view, kind of similar to what Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson just did a few months ago. I want you to give me three one-on-one matchups of players in their primes you would pay to watch on pay-per-view. Ooh, three. First, obviously, would be Kobe and LeBron. Okay, that's mine. That's, That's one of mine. Who would be two? A little bit biased because Kobe was one of my favorite players, but I would like to see him play against Jordan. Okay, we yeah. we did already kind of get like half and half because no, I want to see, but I, I want to see, see them in their primes though. That I, was Kobe as a rookie. Yeah, I want to see like Kobe in his prime versus Jordan during one of the first three peats. Like that's what I want to see. Yeah, so I, so that would be my second choice. Would okay, be Kobe, so Kobe and Jordan. We have the same. So far. Two, yeah. Okay, so far. Now, do I want to see LeBron in the third one? No, I don't. No, But, hey, this is yours. Yeah, he's not really a, a scorer. Mm. I would like to see KD in his prime. I think play against, like, the likes of a Larry Bird just because – you have like the length there, but yeah, Larry yeah, yeah. Larry was a different kind of a player. So yeah, I would go with KD and, and Larry. Okay, so you got Kobe versus LeBron. Yeah. Kobe versus MJ. Larry, Larry versus KD. Larry and KD. I got Kobe versus LeBron. Kobe versus Jordan. Wilt versus Bill Russell. Oh, see, that's a matchup that happened, but we never saw it. Exactly. And that for me, that counts as I would pay money on pay per view to to see Wilt versus Bill Russell in their primes go one-on-one against each other. Best money I would spend. Yeah. No, I mean, it. the idea, the whole idea of MJ versus Magic Johnson, it was like because, like, Magic and Larry basically passed the torch to MJ, that just – I would have 
I would have paid. I don't need know how much they were selling it for at the time, but I would. I don't know what I would have paid. I would have paid a lot of money to watch MJ vs Magic one on one. Or you wouldn't have just asked one of your friends to stream it with a million dollars on the line. So it sucks that they didn't let him actually do it though. Yeah. All right, last one. I got four separate finals performances. I want you to tell me which one you think is the best. First one is 2006, Dwayne Wade. He averaged 34.7 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 3.8 assists per game, 2.7 steals per game, 40, and shot 47% from the field. Option number two, 2000, Shaquille O'Neal. 38 points per game, 16.7 rebounds per game, 2.3 assists per game, 2.7 blocks per game, and he shot 61% from the God. field. It's hard to to, de- uh, to deny the diesel in that one. But I want to hear the next two, though. Option number three. Okay. 2016 LeBron James. 29.7 points per game, 11.3 rebounds per game, 8.9 assists per game, 2.6 steals per game, 2.3 blocks per game, 49% from the field. Respectable. Well, and also come back from 3-1. All right. Well, with that, you got to factor that in, too, I guess. Last one. 1993 Michael Jordan. 41 points per game, 8.5 rebounds per game, 6.3 assists per game, 1.7 steals per game, 51% from the field. Out of those four, who had the best finals performance? Well... I'll do it by the process of elimination. So, honorable mention is Wade. Okay. So, he, he had a hell of a series in 2006, but he did have help. Now, there's three more. Yeah, there is. Sorry, LeBron. You, you did come back from 3-1. I understand. Hell of a series. You beat the team with the best record statistically mm-hmm. the league has seen. But you're, you're, what, he would be third? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be third. Third. Now it's between Jordan and the Diesel. So it, it's hard to say because Shaq was just so, like, dominant. Like, yeah. you, you went into a game and you were like, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Rick, Rick Smith uh, uh, in Indiana was scared to death. Yeah. So I think it's hard to deny him, but Jordan just took over games. That's the thing, too. Yeah. Mm. I'm also trying to think who he played in that era, too. Or in that, yeah. In 93? I think, who was it? It was, the Blazers were 91. No, Blazers were 90. And was it the Sonics? It was the Sonics no, in 93. Suns. Suns in it was, 93. It was uh, the Suns, they won 62 games that year, and Charles Barkley won MVP. But the Bulls were able to win that series. That 40 points is insane. I think, I think I'm going to have to go with Shaq, though. Okay, so Shaq one, Jordan two, LeBron three, and D Wade four. Yeah, Dwayne Wade is fourth. Yeah, Shaq. I think just because it's like he is like, in my opinion, he is the most dominant center the game has seen. Like you had to make adjustments 100%, 100%. for him. Jordan, as great of a player he was, and he may be the best, just you know, to a lot of people, I still think Shaq's performance during that span was better. Wow. All right. Well, you heard it here first. That was a hot take. Jacob Gonzalez hates mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. Yeah. No, well, I don't hate him. Well, no, you just said it. Hey, I went to his basketball camp. I don't hate him. Oh, that's cute. 
But I will say he didn't say hi to any of us as campers. Oh, he gave you the cold shoulder. Yeah, so oh. maybe he doesn't deserve the best uh, oh. performance right there. All right. Well, you're holding a personal grudge against MJ. It's all right. And I can't allow that. It's okay. Kobe didn't do that at his camp, just by the way. Oh, hey, that makes me feel good then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Uh, you got a shout out before we get out of here? I don't actually have a shout out this time. Oh. Last time was the TSK show, but I can't shout you guys out again. All right. Well, fuck you then. All right. My shout-out this week is obviously to the Los Angeles Lakers for getting the number four pick uh, in this year's NBA draft. It is the first good sign the Lakers have had, I think, in uh, quite some time, in about a month, I would say. It's the first light that they've seen <laughs> yeah, in a couple so months. Hopefully, we can, uh, we can turn this ship around. But with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at The Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. Jacob, your Instagram is at Jacob underscore underscore. Yeah, you got to include that Gonzalez. second one. Mm -hmm. You got to do the second underscore. So Otherwise, you will not find me. No. And you will not message the right person. <laughs> no, at Jacob underscore underscore Gonzalez. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well. And we are now officially on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Jacob, thank you for filling in for Tyler this week. Anytime. anytime. We, uh, we really appreciate it. And Tyler will be back next week. Have fun in Washington, big guy. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace.